Welcome to the audio for my book, When We Were Young, 20s Edition, The Journey of Owning Our Story Together. I'm so thankful you're here. Chapter 5, Year 25 What did she ask you, Nori? I questioned my co-worker and friend as I listened intently to the words in Spanish coming from my hairdresser. Hold on, let me make sure I'm understanding her correctly, Nori replied, as I saw the confused and slightly distressed look upon her face. Nori, Rhonda, and I were in a salon smack in the middle of Tegucigalpa, the capital city of Honduras. On the surface, the three of us were co-workers at Hope for Honduras, the nonprofit organization where we all served. However, we became relationally so much more than this. We did everything together. We worked together, Rhonda and I lived together, and Nori drove the three of us to gallivant around the city during our time off. Dinner at Melt, followed by a movie at Multiplaza, coupled with some mixed-dust popcorn and a Coke, was a typical Friday night in our book. We were such an unlikely trio. Nori, a retired teacher who came to Honduras using her education experience to help start the bilingual school. Rhonda, a former registered nurse who came to use her passion and knowledge to work in the medical clinics. And then me, who worked alongside Shelley, one of the founders previously mentioned, built the online presence of Hope for Honduras, and served as the point person when mission teams would partner on the ground with us for a week at a time. Nori, Rhonda, and I were not only equipped with different skill sets and passions, but we were also in different life stages as well. Nori was still married, Rhonda was widowed, and I was single. Our ages were also apart from each other. However, we made such a sweet team. Some of my favorite memories in Honduras are contained in moments with these two women. Like the times we sat on seasoned car seats and talked about how we saw God working and moving in our lives and snacking on McDonald's fries. Oh, how rich this bond was and how grateful we were for it. So as I was sitting there getting my hair cut while Nori got her nails done and Rhonda read a book and talked to us, something about this very normal outing began to feel abnormal. I could see in the mirror in front of me and feel on my head behind me the frenzy of fingers running through my hair. I wanted to get a pretty dramatic chop, so I couldn't quite pinpoint why the woman cutting my hair looked as puzzled and concerned as she did. Then I watched my hairdresser gesture towards my head as she asked Nori, who is Hispanic and the most fluent in Spanish out of all of us, a question about me. I could only catch bits and pieces of what she said and was not sure I understand correctly what she was saying. Nori asked for further clarification before she translated the question to me. Megan, she is asking if you have a pattern of balding in your family. Excuse me? What? Um, why would she be asking that, Nori? I exclaimed in fear. She's concerned about your hair, Meg. Immediately, I thrust my phone into the hands of the woman cutting my hair and begged her to take videos and pictures of the things she was seeing that I clearly wasn't. Once I sat reviewing the evidence on my phone, it took everything in me not to burst into tears in that salon chair. My hair was frail and noticeably thin around the crown of my head. As the video showed, when my hair was moved in different positions, huge patches of no hair growth were rudely on display. 
There was clear regression in my hair health and vitality since the last time I had come to get my hair cut. My hairdresser confirmed. As the three of us gathered in Nori's car and began our ride home, they allowed me to linger in some much-needed silence. About halfway into our drive home, Nori and Rhonda then began to use their words to console me. Megan, we are going to figure this out. We are going to figure out why this is happening. It's going to be okay. Was it though? Was it going to be okay? Because much of my reality as of late had been anything but okay. It was almost like the news of my hair was just one more thing I could add to the list of facts to grieve. Because up to this point, and for months, I had been walking through both seen and hidden hardships. It started with sickness. Seemingly random stomach aches and head throbbing that made work grueling. I had never been one to get sick often, or really ever. Yet it felt like every time I turned around, some 24 to 48 hour virus was knocking me down and keeping me out for a bit. And I'll tell you, it's one thing to be sick as an adult and realize you still just want your mom. It's a whole other ballgame to get sick in a developing country. Oof. Thankfully, Ron and Shelley had lived in Honduras for over 20 years and had seen most of the sickness on display either personally or with someone they loved. So I was in good care when these frequent ailments put my body and immune system through the ringer. But still, it's not like any of this was enjoyable, especially because this was out of nowhere. All of a sudden, my body and I were at odds. It's like my body just decided, hey friend, It's been fun serving you for the past 25 years, but I'm like super tired and just don't feel like fighting literally any potential sickness off anymore. Best of luck. It was rough. Next came cystic acne. If you don't know what cystic acne is, it's where there appear to be knots right underneath the surface of your skin and they want to break free, but don't. So they just sit right there under the surface. They bring constant awareness of their presence by their unwanted sight in the mirror and pain waves to the face. My skin had never been an area of real issue for me. I'd always been fortunate to have pretty clear skin most of the time. Not only was acne in general a new territory for me to navigate, I also couldn't figure out what was causing it. There was nothing out of my normal life and routine occurring other than these newfound gruesome blemishes rising to the brim. Then fatigue followed. For the nonprofit, I worked a standard Monday through Friday schedule. As anyone does, I would always look forward to the weekends to explore the city and have unencumbered time to rest and recharge. Alas, slowly but surely, most of my weekends became me, propped in bed, sleeping, and wondering why I had zero energy to get up or do much of anything. When Nori and Rhonda would invite me for a Saturday out in Tegucigalpa, I'd often decline and wish them off with, y'all have fun, enjoy, as I lay in bed all day. Because I was a self-titled master of fun and was known for having a chronic case of fear of missing out, saying no to any outing in order to stay in bed was absurd and abnormal. But I just couldn't muster up the energy to even care. I was so wildly tired, and it was taking its toll. Then came the mother load the closest I've ever felt to what I understand as depression. Now, I want to give space here to say I am being intentional with how I worded my previous sentence. I never received an official diagnosis of depression, 
nor did I begin any medication specifically for that condition. I am no doctor, and I am not at all trying to say I know exactly what this is or was. But the more and more I have talked with trusted people and dear friends who have walked or are walking through depression, the more my symptoms all point towards depression's door. Rhonda started to notice a visible change in my mood. As my coworker, friend, and roommate, she had the opportunity to watch me in every area of my life. She asked me questions like, is everything okay, Megan? You just don't seem like yourself lately. To which I replied, uh, I don't know. I just feel kind of blah. I would see her watch me with gentle concern, and it made me feel loved, but also angry. What was wrong with me? Why did I not feel normal? What happened to me? The me that I knew and loved. Where is she? The best I've come to describing my mental and emotional state at this time is the imagery of a dark room. I felt like I had been placed in a dark room. No windows and no visible exit trapped in the darkness, curled in the fetal position, all the while just aching for the light to turn on, the light I so desperately needed yet couldn't find. I didn't know how to get out. I didn't know how to flip the light switch. So when I gazed upon the horror of my hair falling away, my eyes glazed with apathy. Of course. What's one more element of what makes me who I am? Gone. First, my general health that gave me the basic, sustainable will to live. Then my skin that had always aided in glow and confidence. Next, the fatigue that hindered my ability to enjoy the gifts of people and food that I loved. Then a disposition towards depression that took my vibrant personality and robbed her bare, leaving behind a cold and deflated state. And finally, my hair my beautiful, trademarked red hair, my built-in statement piece that rendered me spotable from any direction, now fading away, one strand in bald spot at a time. What in the world was happening to me? I wasn't sure, but I was almost too defeated to find out. Thankfully, I got by with the carrying support of my friends. Nori, Rhonda, and Shelley all stepped up and stepped in. They coordinated a week's worth of doctor's appointments, lab work, ultrasounds, etc., to lean into the process of discovering what was going on with my body. While I never expected my first OBGYN appointment to be in Honduras, I was immensely grateful for the incredible care shown by every medical professional I had the pleasure of seeing. After significant testing, I was called back to my primary doctor to review the findings. As I sat down in the doctor's office, my results were spread out across the table in front of her. Before she showed me any of the lab work, the doctor asked me a simple question. Megan, can you tell me what's been going on throughout the past year of your life? Um, what do you mean? Tell me about the events in your life circumstances over the past year. Has there been anything going on in your world you would consider noteworthy? Oh, well, sure. I began to explain how within the past year, several big moments had happened back to back to back. My best friend got engaged, and from engagement to marriage, the time frame was two and a half months. I was the maid of honor while living in Honduras. 
So I had a shortened planning timeline and was a country away trying to uphold all of my responsibilities for that role. Then, one of our co-workers slash roommates left Honduras a bit earlier than anticipated, causing many of us to grieve her absence and fill in the gaps of her absence at work. I explained how I had planned my first trip back to the States after being in Honduras for a year. This trip was a month long and was happening in tandem with my best friend's wedding. I flew back to the States within an hour of the bachelorette party that I had planned while abroad. Then I spent the wedding and the next month running around seeing as many people as I could with the limited time I had, not only engaging with beloved friends and family, but also speaking at churches and with potential partners who were curious about the work I was doing in Honduras. Meanwhile, I was grieving the fact that I had no friends my age in Honduras and still had trouble communicating in Spanish. I was also still adjusting to the culture shock of living in a foreign country and not being able to drive myself anywhere because I had no car and therefore no means of independence. As I rattled off all of this to my doctor, I was processing in real time. Wow, the past year had been a lot. So much new mental, emotional, and spiritual water to wade through. I hadn't really stopped to reflect on the circumstances until that very moment. Hearing it all flow out of my lips, one after another, put everything that had happened into a new perspective for me. Ah, yes. That sounds like quite a lot of newness you have been navigating, my doctor knowingly responded. Megan, as I look at your blood work, your ultrasound, and take into account your medical history, I am assured that your body has been under massive, massive stress. Whether you have known this or not, your body has been carrying the stress around daily and is manifested in all sorts of ways. I can't speak to your life before the past year, but I'd be willing to bet that you've never been under this amount of change in such a short amount of time. And your body has been fighting and freaking out in the midst of that change that has led to so much trauma. Wow, this felt so right. Yet why hadn't I come to this conclusion on my own? I mean, I guess that's why we have medical professionals who help us determine the why behind the what. But now that she laid this diagnosis before me, It all made sense. Even though emotionally I would have never said, I am stressed, the reality of walking through the winds of change that felt more like a tornado of turbulence caused me to fracture. And because I had no idea what the root problem was, I was defenseless and unable to discover any kind of solution. I left the doctor's office that day with some prescriptions to help with the side effects of the stress. When I asked how to stop having the root issue, stress, she offered a few suggestions. One shined brightest in my spirit. She asked me if I had any ways of relieving stress through processing my thoughts, and if I did, to lean into those as much as possible to test if that rhythm was life-giving. Once I arrived home, I opened a Word document I had started almost eight months before. I had given myself a challenge around my birthday to write every single day for a year. As a writer, I found the most common advice given from the most respected writers was to write and read as much as possible. So this was my way of leaning into that leading and giving myself the opportunity to grow in a skill I loved and a gift I enjoyed. 
As I scanned through the past year of writings, I became overwhelmed with perspective. Yes, there were plenty of entries that honored the rockiness I had been walking through, since writing was the safest place to process words that gave evidence to deep, deep pain. But I also found words of hope. I found days where I wrote stories of joy I'd experienced with children in our bilingual school. Laughs I had shared while playing in the streets with the children of the Colonia. Wisdom received from a friend over a FaceTime call. Delicious food from a new restaurant I got to try. Hardship was on display, but so was healing. While yes, I was traversing new terrain and at times it felt like it was going to kill me. I was also living in moments of pure bliss. There was profound peace in the face of this tangible both and. There were all the reasons to be upset and all the reasons to be elated. Both existed. Both were meant to. Both did. And as I closed my computer with tears representing the tension of joy and sadness bubbling from my eyes, I knew I would be okay. Not because everything changed all at once and now I could simply move on from my past, but because I knew where hope was. It was with me. It was in me. It had been here all along, right beside my sadness, holding my hand, sometimes carrying me, when all I could see was darkness. And now I could see her in the room, and I asked her to turn the light on. Not all had been good, and not all had been bad. Everything was more beautifully gray than a stark black and white. God met me in these spaces that year. As my body was shaking with shock, he held me close. And he would continue to carry me as I journeyed toward healing, one step at a time. He would see me through as each strand of hair grew back in place, kind of like he cared for the number of them on my head all along. Hey guys, thanks for listening to chapter five, year 25 of when we were young, 20s edition, the journey of owning our story together. Let's jump into the bonus. So for today's bonus, I really want to focus around ah, the hardship of this chapter. I know that sounds super uh, uplifting and fun to listen to, but I promise to not be too, too dapper. Um and down in the dumps. But no, I just want to speak honestly to this was by far the hardest chapter of the entire book for me to write. Um, Probably because this was also in turn, the hardest year of my 20s to live uh, to date. And I, you know, go, I went into great detail in in the chapter about what it looked like to kind of walk through that diagnosis and healing. And truly, I mean, the journey of walking towards healing was just a step-by-step process, but that healing journey actually lasted so much longer than just uh, encapsulated in that year because what ended up becoming really apparent up until even just this year is that I would have these flare-ups of exactly what I had experienced in my 25th year, kind of over the next several years. And 
just kept trying to manage my stress levels and be really aware of that. And, and that was hard to be aware of my stress levels because I also didn't know that I was stressed because I didn't have this emotive rise and fall, but I just had to take note of my stress manifesting in my body because that's how it would become so apparent. But actually it was just this year that I got uh, diagnosed with a um, with something called PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And we believe based on some tests and things that were run and kind of sharing my experiences over the last several years that it is very possible that um, this was also a part of what was going on in my body uh, that year, in year 25, um, or that that was the catalyst to then um, cysts happening on on my ovaries. And so um, I can say with um, with great joy and peace that since having that diagnosis now, and I'm working with an incredible, incredible woman who is um, walking through my health journey, I have been probably the healthiest I have been in years and have felt so much relief and so, so grateful. And sitting in the hardship of what that year was of year 25 and even going back and reading this after I've written it, it was such, again, a tangible reminder that, man, I really believe that our life is so much of holding multiple things at once. That I have this I have this saying that I that I wrote in the chapter this both and that we can hold um, the tension of joy and grief together uh, that those things can coexist and and what was so true in that year as well and only became apparent as I went back and reflected on writings is that while there was so much deep and intense pain um, that I was experiencing and a darkness that, I had never experienced before. There was also moments of light and hope. And that year has become an anchor of remembrance, of of faithfulness, of an Ebenezer so uh, present and tangible in writing form that, okay, Megan, yes, things can be hard and things can be, be bad and we would never undermine or dismiss or say that things are not hard and not bad. But hope is always there the light is always there too and I want to continue to hold on to that and it's my encouragement that uh, that you would too thanks for listening y'all subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to continue receiving the episode drops for the book and bonus if you haven't bought the book it's out now on Amazon so go grab it see you next time and until then let's keep owning our stories together